Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus. And together we are the Minimalists, live in Detroit. Oh, that was awesome. Before we start taking some questions here, Sorry, I'm drinking some tea on stage. I've been sick for the last three weeks, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to get over this, but I'm grateful I got to make it out here today. Um, thank you. Um, I've, uh, I've learned some serious lessons this year, as some of you know, from the recent essay that I wrote about uh, while I was apologizing to the folks in Washington, D.C., but also just realizing... Um, Sometimes when you start going too fast, you don't get as far as you, you wanted to go. And uh, so I'm slowing down quite a bit right now. But um, we have a special guest here tonight. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this because, well, he's the person, the, he's the reason that you all are here tonight, really. I mean, if it weren't for this person, I don't think I ever would have accidentally stumbled across this idea of minimalism. I found it via Twitter, uh, thanks to this guy. It was a guy, and he, he tweeted this, this, this video, or someone retweeted a video of him, and he was this minimalist traveler, and he went to a new country every four months, and he didn't even pick the country. Everything he owned, there were 52 items at the time, and you could see them all placed around him strategically. They all fit into his backpack or his bag, and the people who read his website voted on the next country he was going to. So at the time, he was living in like New Zealand, and then he was in Argentina, and Iceland, and, and India, and just a bunch of different places. And I hate travel. So it, that wasn't the part that was compelling to me. Like, if, if to become a minimalist, you had to, like, just travel the world and be a peripatetic writer, you could count me out. Uh, but what I really liked, he said this thing called minimalism allowed him to get rid of the excess and start to focus on what was important in his life. And for him, one of the things that he was passionate about was travel. And uh, I said, okay, well, maybe I don't want to travel. And then that opened up this whole other community, people that Ryan spoke about in his talk earlier people who were you know, more normal. <laughs> so let's bring our guest onto the stage. He runs a great podcast called Let's Know Things. Ladies and gentlemen, Colin Wright. Yeah. Hi. So Colin, I'm going to ask you a question that I've I've never asked you before, and it just occurred to me last night when we, we arrived, and so I wanted to save it for, for the podcast. So the three of us were roommates for a period of time, and I hate having roommates in general. Um, 
just because, you know, having other people around. I'm so neurotic. Um, but <laughs> This could go in a lot of different directions. <laughs> I'm, I'm really surprised I don't know the answer to this, but how did you stumble across this, this idea of minimalism? Oh, that went in a less treacherous direction. Okay. Um, honestly, I kind of, I did stumble into it. I started doing it. I decided that I wanted to travel. I was living in Los Angeles. I was running a branding studio and working crazy hours. And a similar story in a way. They were in the corporate world. I was in the entrepreneurial world running this studio. And I realized that I was setting aside this goal, something that I told myself was incredibly important. I wanted to travel and was putting it off into the indistinct future. And I had this eureka moment where I realized I could cut out the middleman and start doing it now, rather than saving for an indeterminate amount of time and then maybe someday doing it. And as soon as I had that realization, I started acting on it. So I started taking clothing out of my drawer that I hadn't worn in forever and knew that I would never wear. And I started to do the same thing at my home office. And it snowballed as it tends to do. And I started writing about this, sharing the experience with people, giving some kind of tips on it, but also writing about the experience of making this type of major life pivot. And somebody told me that I, it was like minimalism. It was like this thing that they had heard about somewhere. And there wasn't a lot of people writing about this at the time. 2009, was a, this, is, this is a halcyon age for minimalist writing. There's a lot of different perspectives. There's a great deal of public attention and support for it. Back in the day, it was mostly just Leo. And I hadn't heard of Leo at that point, who, who uh, uh, writes very eloquently about it. But somebody pointed me in that direction, and I realized that other people are kind of doing this, and they came at it from a different perspective. So for me, I started doing it first, and then I got the label for it later. And then over time, as you guys found too, I think, you develop a more uh, robust vocabulary with which to describe what you're doing. Yeah, and I think at first, sometimes that label is especially the word minimalism, is the most perfect and also the most imperfect word because it's that radical word that, that sort of shifts people, intrigues people. When, when I first heard the term minimalism was from you, and, and, well, at least with respect to lifestyle. I, I knew about minimalism with respect to like 80s literature like Laurie Moore, Brett Easton Ellis, and, and Jack, Jay McInerney, uh, minimalist architecture, and, and there were different types of minimalism, but in terms of, of lifestyle, and, and that label at first can be really limiting because you, it conjures up these images of like, like stark, stark white walls and, and owning absolutely nothing. And especially when I first saw you, it was intriguing, but it was also, at one point, it, it totally turned me off. Like, you have to own 52 items? Like, well, shit, like, I... They won't tell you this, but that's actually what you have to do. <laughs> 52. I don't make the rules. Well, we don't tell them... Now, Colin, we don't tell the members of our cult that until they're a Theta 7. You, you have to be level 2 to get that information. I'm telling you, I'm breaking down walls. Dude, these people here haven't even gotten their certificates yet, man. Come on. I'm bringing this cult down. <laughs> well, let's answer some questions on that note. Howdy, what's your name, where are you from, and what's your question? Hopefully in that order. I'm Heather. Hey, Heather. I am from... Where are you from? Lexington. I don't know if you know where that's from. Lexington, Kentucky? No, Michigan. Oh, It's a okay. little beach town. Lexington. Uh, so I dragged my husband here tonight. I have no idea. He ran like hell up the stairs. <laughs> So, Thanks for being drugged, <laughs> husband. I think That's he's scared what might happen when we person. go home <laughs> with everything going out. But 
So my question is that I'm actually on the dawn of a new decade, and although that's kind of arbitrary, I'm really kind of healing from a lot of things that happened in my 20s that kind of propelled me towards compulsive spending. Like you, Josh, my mom got lung cancer and died very quickly, and then immediately after that, I got sick from the stress of her dying. And I think like a lot of other people, I tried to fill that void in my life with stuff, which left me with a lot of debts and other, among other things, unhappiness that I'm kind of paying for now. So my question is kind of a two-parter. As I'm learning how to deal with these things better and kind of forgive myself for past mistakes and not nickel and dime myself to death and just get rid of things, how do I forgive myself for the mistakes I've made as far as money and maybe, like you said, not spending enough time with people when I could have? Yeah, I think, I think we need to start by, by delineating the emotions you're feeling right now. I, I, it sounds to me like you're feeling guilty. Uh, you might be feeling shame as well. Yeah. Uh, guilt says something about your actions. Shame says something about who you are as a person. Yeah. And, and it seems to me that what you're saying is I feel guilty for taking these, these past actions. Yeah. Right? And, and I think, I think what, the moment you're at right now is a moment of course correction right? Uh, sometimes we get into a, a accident or we're about to have an accident. You know, someone's swerving over into your lane on the highway. This happened to me the other day. Uh, we were in an Uber. Were you in that Uber with me? I don't think so. Yeah. And like, they just started, they just started coming over and I'm like, well, this is it. Um, and, and thankfully the Uber driver I had was, was competent enough to see them and, and, and swerve over. He, he course corrected himself, right, before getting into the accident. And so sometimes, though, we get into the accident. For me, it was you know, my mom dying and, and, and my marriage ending. And then the question is, what am I going to do after this? Because I can't, there, there's obviously nothing I can change in the past. I have to have the ability to accept that. And the guilt, the good news of the guilt is it is compelling you to, to make a change. So guilt although it feels terrible, can be an extremely useful emotion because it tells you what not to do. And, and by learning what not to do, you are, are then able to figure out the direction to go and, and what to do moving forward. Yeah, the, the, your past does not equal the future. And I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but cliches are cliche for a reason. <laughs> um, it sounds to me like uh, you, you feel like maybe someone would judge you. Because, I mean, that's why I always feel guilt. Um, I do feel guilty because, you know, times when I go against my values and beliefs, but like the guilt that yeah. carries, it's usually what other people perceive of me. Is that accurate at all? Or? Yes. So, well, the good news is, is it doesn't matter what people think of you. I mean, really, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you have some, <laughs> if and you I have supportive friends and family around you, like that's, that's all that really matters of the people right. that think about you. And those people, if they're not supporting you and they are judging you for your past, decisions, then uh, don't hang out with those people. I would totally, I would totally <laughs> <laughs> recommend you to not do that. I mean, I have made like, I don't even want to go into the, I'll tell you the worst financial decision I ever made. Um, my, actually it was buying a house. I'll tell you the second uh, worst financial decision <laughs> I ever made. Um, it was my buddy and I, we were, um, we were having one of those nice fueled weekends and we were, um, you know, uh, drinking and, 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 and drugging. And uh, there was a point where I was like, dude, because, you know, you get these great ideas when you're on all that stuff. I'm like, dude, you get this really cheap. We should sell this. And he's like, 
Yeah, I'll, he's like, I'll be your middleman. You just give me the money. I'm like, great. I gave him a thousand bucks and never saw him again. <laughs> and I realized- But I think they're still in business together. <laughs> technically, it's still on paper. Right, technically, he still owes me a thousand bucks. But no, my, my point is, is like when I, like telling that story, um, it, and on the inside, I just like cringe so bad. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you here in front of a thousand people because I know who I am now. Mm-hmm. I know the decisions that I, that I make and that I will make going forward. And I love each and every one of you, but I could care less what you think. <laughs> <laughs> something that I would add to that too, all excellent perspectives on that. This is something I've been going through a lot as I've iterated my sleeping and fi- identifying things that have kept me from sleeping as well as I could every night. And that, that's the moment when your mind spins and goes over every past decision you've ever made and judges yourself for it. Something that I found is that if you very consistently, every time a thought like that comes to mind and you go over things that have happened or something you find coming up over and over and bothering you any moment of the day, if you think of that process as sieving, you are filtering those memories and looking for the valuable stuff that you can act upon, Mm -hmm. the actual stuff that has some value for future action, and then letting the rest go and allowing yourself to forgive yourself for it because there's nothing that you can do uh, about it now. And you're taking the valuable pieces and allowing yourself to navigate based on that in the future. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you for the question. Hey, if, if folks are listening to this at home, uh, you can call up and leave us a comment or tip. It's 406-219-7839. And uh, it's my favorite part of the show. At the very end of the show, we air like comments and tips from our listeners, which I reappropriate and give out as answers later. <laughs> I hate to rush this along, but we're late. Oh, what, what time is it? It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalist Lightning Round, where, well, now we answer questions with 280 characters or less. Uh, we usually answer these questions on social media, but Colin won't be on his phone up here. Don't worry. Yeah, so we call them minimal maxims. We'll actually give you a regular answer, but then we'll try and tie it up with a, a nice little bow that's tweetable as well. So something pithy that you can all tweet out if you want. We're on all the socials at The Minimalists. What's your name? Hi, I'm Sophie. Hey, Sophie. Um, my Where are you question, from? I am, tonight I came from Bay City, Michigan, up in central Michigan. Ah, Bay City. Thank you so much for coming down here. Um, so my question is, now that the year is coming to an end and that your tour through the country is coming to an end, um, what's the most memorable moment that you can think back on over the past year? <laughs> the most memorable touring moment is, is an easy one for me. Um, we were on the Wisconsin-Chicago border, and I stopped at a Love's gas station. <laughs> and uh, as I opened the, the door to the rental van that we were all in, this bottle of Topo Chico fell out and busted on the ground, and it made this loud gunshot noise. And um, I remember Ryan just looked over me and said, are you okay? And I'm like, what? I looked down, and there was literally blood everywhere. I mean, blood. My entire shoe, there was different shoes than these, obviously, was covered in blood. My sock, my pants, all, I mean, and I had this shard of glass in my leg. And 
so I'm panicked. Right? I see this. I'm with my partner was with us on on this little wave of the tour, Rebecca, and um, so I run into the loves, and they're known for their clean bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I I go into the bathroom, and like just sit on the bathroom floor, and I shit you not, Ryan comes in there. There is. Blood everywhere. There everywhere. Is blood on the paper towel dispenser, on the sink, the trail through the whole store. Um, there are handprints with blood everywhere. And Ryan walks in there, and the first thing that he says is, Oh my God! There's blood everywhere! <laughs> and thankfully, there was a nurse, uh, two nurses who happened to be at this love. And they look at me, they're like, Shut up! <laughs> Like that, that's not helpful at all. And I, there was this moment where I'm sitting on the floor of loves and I'm like, fuck, this is where it ends. <laughs> like, I am bleeding out on the floor of the loves. And um, thankfully, like, they just sort of glued it together and everything was, was surprisingly fine. I went out on stage that night in a wheelchair in Madison, Wisconsin. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, so that's the most memorable. I'm just imagining like, as this is happening, I'm in like the corner in the fetal position of the bathroom. Like, why? Why God? <laughs> why today? I'll never drink Topo Chico again. Just kidding, I love that stuff. Most memorable, uh, man, this is really lame because the podcast will have all it has not come out yet today but as people are listening to this at home it will have already come out but uh our podcast with jp sears was like it is gold it is i cannot wait for it to come out it is comedy gold i'll tell you my most favorable moment from that oh i'm gonna spoiler alert for a thousand of you uh <laughs> Uh, we were on stage and someone had asked about like, oh, you, you know, you're on, you get on stage and you must get nervous. Like, how do you not get so nervous before you go on stage? And I was telling them about this breathing technique that I had acquired from taking this homeless guy to lunch. He like asked me for five bucks and I'm like, no dude, but I'll buy you lunch. We had lunch and he was like, hey, you know, I get, you gave me lunch. I want to give you something. He, he taught me this Tai Chi breath. And like I told this really heartfelt story and I'm like, JP, your, your answer. And he just looks over at me and he's like, Ryan's being really humble. This homeless guy also gave him one other piece of advice, uh, one other tip. And that was his sense of style. <laughs> <laughs> And I was, I just, all I could think in my head is like, you funny motherfucker. <laughs> that was like, I can't wait for you guys to hear that, that podcast. It is so good. <laughs> so so in, in, in the last, what, I guess year or so, Colin, you have done a couple of different experiments. So instead of moving to a new country every four months, you said, I'm going to move somewhere in the States. And um, you ended up in Wichita. The most exotic place I could think to go. <laughs> and, then, and then recently, you, uh, you had people vote on the 50 states, and then you'd pick the city, and you're living in Memphis for a year as an experiment. Yeah, yeah Memphis. And, and so um, they voted on Tennessee, and he picked the city, uh, Memphis. If you guys would have voted, he would have been in Detroit. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so, do you have a, a, a most memorable or, or, yeah, do you have a most memorable time in the last year? Yeah, it's, this is going to seem really mundane, so it does warrant explanation. I, I've been on the road, like international, except for visits back to visit the family and other projects and touring and things, since 2009. And so I've lived in places I could rent for four months in other countries, a wide variety of places. So I've lived amongst other people's stuff for the majority of my adult life. I came back to the United States in part to learn about what's happening here, in part to dive into a bunch of passions I'd wanted to do that are very difficult to perform from the road, but also in part to challenge some fears that I had. And like after, there's a lot of fears that you face traveling, but those I faced over and over. I was terrified of buying furniture. Like, so scared, because I, when I left the country, I was 24, I'm 32 now, and I come back to the United States, and I have an empty apartment I have to fill, and I don't know what I want, because I've lived amongst, like, Soviet kitsch in Romania, and I, I've lived in, like, big overstuffed sofas in somebody's grandmother's home. Like, I've lived in some very strange places, and so walking into an Ikea... I had heart palpitations of the same level, same frequency that I had when I jumped out of a plane in New Zealand. Anyone who saw me there would have thought that I was having a panic attack, and that probably wasn't far from that. So facing that fear, walking into that IKEA, and walking out again God, so with brave, unpronounceable God. furniture, I faced it, and I survived it. You know, I have, I have one other memorable thing that happened to me last week. I was actually in an Ikea in Burbank, California. And uh, I, was, I was buying a dresser for Ella. And, uh, right, for Ella. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I forget every time how hard it is to assemble their junk. And um, so I had Bex assemble it. But anyway, um, but no, I was in Ikea and waiting in their... Uh, vertiginous lines and I, I was just it was like just uh, I was standing there with the big cart and her dresser on there that somehow it's one dresser but it's in four different boxes and and uh, I'm just waiting there in line and uh, this lady comes up to me she goes I know who you are I'm like okay hi what's your name and she tells me her name and then she just goes I know who you are what are you doing here? <laughs> she started taking pictures and selling them to like stars and choir. <laughs> TMZ. Um, and I'm like, I'm buying some stuff. And, and she's like, I just want you to know I'm really trying to simplify my life. I said, then what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I said, this is everything I own. <laughs> Why are you buying more stuff? And um, that was my most memorable personal, personal moment of the year, I think. Dude, I just realized this is the lightning round. Oh, yeah, but we didn't give pithy answers. I, so. I do have one pithy answer, though. I will say uh, the best memories that any of us have usually involve uh, the people we love and respect. So choose the people you hang out with wisely. See, I can add anything I want with 280 characters. I can do whatever I want. Right now, it's still 280 characters. 
Thanks for your question. Thank you. Appreciate it. Howdy. Hi. What's uh, your name, brother? Emerson. Hey, Emerson. I'm from uh, St. Clair Shores, Michigan. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming. <clears throat> so, uh, with the holidays coming up and you know the season for give, of giving, um, what do you do with for uh, family members that are into the gift giving and you know giving the stuff? Sure. And uh, you receive. What's today's date? What's that? What's today's date? Oh. December eighth. I'm the hearing. Eight. So people say it's oh. December eighth. So, what's that? Yeah, yeah. So, so he, here's he, here's the the good. When's your birthday, Emerson? Uh, April seventeenth. Great. Now's a good time to be talking about birthday gifts, because it is too late with the holiday side of things. That is already baked. Um, and I don't mean the gift giving. Most of us haven't bought Christmas gifts yet. Um, uh, except there are a few people like me who like try to get everything done months and months in advance. You're out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so um, the truth is the expectations are already baked in right now. And so people uh, are gonna, already going to have the expectation because it's the obligatory gift-giving season. And so I think the, great, the, the best time to set expectations for Christmas is February. And you plant a small seed and you walk away from it and you come back and you water it occasionally. And then hopefully that idea grows into something meaningful by December 25th. And of, of that following year. Um, and here's the, um, the short answer is, uh, instead of pe telling people no, tell them yes to what you want to get or give, right? And, and so instead of saying, no, I don't want gifts, bah humbug, you know, what we want to do is say, yeah, man, I absolutely love Christmas. And you know what? I, I could really use it this year. I'd love for an experience together. I'd love for you to get some concert tickets or maybe even a consumable, a great uh, bag of coffee or a, a bottle of wine. It's something that, that you can share as an experience or, or as some sort of service as opposed to the obligatory physical good. Yeah, um, man, it is, it's so important to have conversations, like those tough conversations with your friends and family who want to buy you a bunch of stuff. Um, I mean, literally, like, think of the person who buys you the most stuff <coughs> that you don't need <laughs> and, like, offer to hang out with them, take them to lunch or whatever. I mean, just, you know, when it's appropriate, don't just, like, call them right after the show and be like, I just, I just talked to the minimalist. They told me to call you. <laughs> um, Wait for an appropriate time, and you're just gonna ask them, like, "Hey, what are your plans for Christmas this year?" Oh, you know, just same old as last year. Da da da. I really wanted to try something different. Uh, I would really like to do X, Y, or Z. Whatever, whatever it is—gifts or uh, yeah, food experiences or no gifts, wh whatever it may be—and you might get a little pushback. And when you get the pushback, you're just simply gonna say, "Hey, uh, I really love you, and I know that you love me, and I want you to be happy." And I know you want me to be happy, and that's why you want to buy me so many gifts. But you buying me gifts is actually doing the opposite of that. So I'm trying to make it more meaningful, not just for me, but for the both of us. Um, doesn't mean that you have to, if you still want a tie clip, I'll get you a tie clip, great. <laughs> you know, like, whatever you want. But, uh, but yeah, I'm just trying to be more meaningful with my gift giving. So if you like the tie clip, great. Um, I'm looking for food or an experience or no gifts at all, just give me your presents, that'll be great. Um, if they still get you a gift, if they still go out of their way 
technically, they're disrespecting you because you've already had that conversation. You're asking for their help. You're asking for their support. You're asking for their respect, really. If they continue to not support you, then they are disrespecting you. Here's my short answer. When someone gives you a gift and they disrespect you by doing that, you can do whatever the fuck you want with that gift. (laughs) Hashtag minimalism. Great answer. I think something that I would add to that too, having had this discussion with a lot of different people and a lot of different types of people, including those who show affection or appreciation through gifts or through spending money, that's the way that they've been trained, you're supposed to show affection. If you can make it very clear that you're not trying to take away their ability to communicate that and have that discussion in those terms, like, listen, I I know that this is how you do things. You always give very thoughtful, amazing gifts. This is what I'm trying to do though, so let's have this conversation. What can we do together? How can we work out this relationship so that we can continue to show that, not just during the holidays, but always, and continue to have something like this where we can clearly communicate that in ways that is still beneficial to both people and what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I just want to reiterate Colin's approach on like being respectful and showing love to the other person. <laughs> because I know my answer didn't really sound like that. <laughs> but the whole point of my answer was, is after you go out of your way to do that, yeah, I mean, when someone gives you something, it's yours, and you can do what you want with it, for sure. Yeah. All right, Sweet. thanks. Happy early birthday. Thanks, thanks brother. A lot. Appreciate it. If we can go real quick and do an added value segment. Um, yeah, we were just at a place earlier today. You want to do that? <laughs> All right, I'll do. I'll, I'll do. Josh will do my added value added value added <laughs> segment for me. I'll do his value added as well. <laughs> um, uh, man, we we went to a few places today. Um, one is there. What's the name of the little island? Um, there we go. And and, and there is this. Uh, there is an aquarium there, in which is America's oldest aquarium, by the way. And the conservatory. What's that? And, yes, and the conservatory. Um, and, uh, and man, it was like, I mean, it's cold, it's winter, we just flew in from California, but like, you get to go to this place with a bunch of plants and, and uh, like, just hang out for a little bit, and it was, it was rather calming, so. Yeah, like, you walk around the conservatory for, like, two minutes, and you're like, oh, I gotta take this jacket off, like, it's so hot in there. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really good, and then we had, uh, I'm looking, still looking for outstanding coffee recommendations. Um, where? Astro. Uh, Astro Oasis. Uh, okay, got that in that one. <laughs> you can afterward. You can hand him the Jessica. tweet us. I cannot remember all these. <laughs> tweet at the minimalist. No, seriously, give us a coffee record. That'd be awesome. And then, where else do we, did we go? I know, dude. I'm trying to remember. It was good. <laughs> it was. A, you can't awesome, recommend Whole Foods. It was an Ethiopia. Yeah, Whole Foods. You guys been there? <laughs> what was the name of that coffee place? Do you remember? If I can, if I can just abandon this added value segment immediately. <laughs> That'd be great, Sean. You're gonna have to uh, cut Let's this out. Let's move on to a bonus question really quickly. <laughs> And then we're going to find great coffee in the morning. We'll have to tweet it out or something. What's your name, brother? Uh, this is Craig from Dayton, Ohio. Ah! Oh, give it up. Dayton, nice. Dayton's in the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, a, a lot of family members have kind of been turned off sometimes to minimalism because they, it, it sometimes smells like a religion. What do you say to family who are like, oh, it's a religion. I don't know what minimalist God they're praying to, but I assure you, <laughs> it's the wrong God to be praying to. 
I had someone come up to me uh, earlier this year when we were on tour and say, I, I like minimalism because it's like religion without the dogma. And um, I, I, I didn't know how to respond to that because Ryan and I have different religious beliefs. And so like, I think it's compatible with a bunch of uh, different religious or spiritual beliefs and, or, or no religious beliefs at all, right? And, and that's the nice thing. I think there's overlap uh, between the different... Uh, the, the values of different belief systems. And so for me, this isn't, this isn't necessarily a belief system. It's certainly not an ideology. For me, minimalism is, is, allows me to find a set of values that are important to me, and then regardless of what my beliefs are. In fact, because we have different beliefs, uh, you would think that quite often maybe we wouldn't get along. But no, the truth is that we're willing to challenge each other's beliefs, but we're grounded in, in having, having the same values. Yeah, I mean, when I look at any major religion, the one thing that they all do have in common is, hey, live a simple life and you'll be happy. So I could see where, uh, you know, where your family would think that. But I mean, really though, like this, this goes back to the Stoics though. I mean, it's, this is... Um, this is a very old idea. I think that minimalism is, it's an old answer for a new problem that we have with this, you know, culture of consumerism that, that we live in. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say when people like Josh, I, I'm kind of speechless when they're like, Oh, you guys are starting a new religion. And I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> or, or depending on where we're at, we'll get people to come up and say, Hey, it's great to see a couple Christians out here spreading Jesus's message. <laughs> This, this literally happened to me in Mississippi. Um, and we had a tour stop there, and um, I just kind of nod and say thanks, and then someone else would come up and say, you know, it's great to see a couple guys out here spreading these Buddhist principles. <laughs> I'll say thanks. And, and uh, I've told the story before, but we, uh, we had someone email us say, you guys know that Muhammad was the original minimalist. And, I just respond with thanks for the email. Um, and and I, I, I think that, I wonder what smells like religion to those people. Do you know? Do, do they expand on that at all? I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, if I had to guess, it would be the simplicity. It would be like there is a, well, there are like, um, God, I want to say principles, but even that, like we don't, Josh and I don't even, we don't have like these tenets of principle that we, no. if anything like Josh and I we share our story we share this recipe that you know people can take ingredients from and apply to their own life I think that simplicity and minimalism uh, it's not just apt to any religion but it's apt to all walks of life I mean I guarantee you there are atheists in this room there are Christians in this room there are people who voted there are people in here who voted for probably four different people because there were more than two to vote for, just so you know. But, I, but, but my point is, is that there are people in here who probably voted for, I mean, all walks of life in here, and, and there is that through point, and I think that maybe that's what they're smelling. Um, but certainly, I am not interested in starting anything like that. Something else to remember, too, is that there's no punishment for doing it wrong, and in fact, there's no right or wrong way to do it. And something that's really cool now that didn't exist, uh, didn't exist back in 2009 is that there's so many different points of view, so many different people with different backgrounds, different types of priorities, uh, ev everything about them different. Everybody is different in approaching this in a different way, and what everybody is doing is saying, here's some stuff that worked for me, it might work for you. Here's some things I've noticed that make me happier, that seem to work better, that allow me to do more of the things I want to do. 
Go forth and use whatever makes sense. And there's no punishment for doing it in any other way. If somebody tells you that there's an absolute correct way to do minimalism, they're trying to sell you something. And it was said and written, go forth and do what makes sense. (laughs) Hashtag minimalism. (laughs) Because no religion is complete without a hashtag. (laughs) Welcome to our cult. Thank you very much. All right, I see one other person standing here, and we really don't have time for another question, but I will try to give you something very pithy, or at least one of us will. Come on up. What's your name? I'm Courtney. I'm from Macomb Township. Um, I'll make it really quick. My husband got into you guys a while back, has kind of converted me. We just got rid of like 300 DVDs last week, including some that were still in the cellophane, so clearly we really needed those. Um, But we kind of told our family a little bit about this, and I know they kind of had that same reaction, like, what is this a cult? What's going on? Um, But my dad's like, oh, that sounds really refreshing, but I can't give up the cue, which is what he calls when he finds like a a shirt or a pair of shoes that he really likes, and he'll buy like six of them and keep them at the house so when the one uh, wears out, he can go to the next one and he knows he'll never run out um, so what would you say to to pass along to people who maybe are like you know one foot in one foot out can't imagine doing this but yet is really intrigued by it what's wrong with that <laughs> I mean in all seriousness like what, what he's doing it sounds like something that I do I, I mean I do it with toilet paper right I, <laughs> I don't buy it one square at a time <laughs> Um, but he's oh, got that's a what house full of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I, the question is, like, if you have the space for something like that and you know you're going to use it, it's not a just-in-case item. It's just for when, like, like toilet paper or paper towels or whatever I'm, I'm, I'm using. Like, I know I'm going to end up using that at some point. Now, sometimes we make uh, purchases that are, like, hypothetical purchases. Like, yeah, it's on sale. I'll probably use that one day. That, that becomes uh, a slippery slope. Um, but in terms of like when someone, when, now when someone's like, is that a cult? I just lean into it. I'm like, yeah, it is. And, and we're trying to get you to join. And, you know, and, and I mean, I, I, to, because it's absurd. Like Ryan and I aren't proselytized. I don't want to convert anyone into minimalism. I simply want to share a recipe that works really well for us and in hopes that maybe you'll find a few ingredients that will help you simplify as well. Anytime anyone ever says to me, oh, I love that minimalist thing, but can never be a minimalist because of whatever the reason is. I'm, I'm 99% of the time, I'm like, that's cool. You're a minimalist. Call yourself a minimalist. Great. Because at the end of the day, like, I want to support the people closest to me, so I'm never going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like That thing you're doing that you feel really good about, it's not good. And let me tell you why it's not. I mean, that's not really that's not what Josh and I are trying to do to uh, anyone. I would ask your dad the question of, is, does the cue stress you out? And if he says, yeah, the cue stresses him out, well, then, then I would say, well, dad, that's a clear sign that something has to change. You don't want to be stressed out anymore. Maybe you don't need uh, you know, a, a, a cue of six shirts deep, whatever it is. Um, it's funny, though. American Apparel is the shirt that I used to wear, but they went out of business. And when I found out they were going out of business, uh, I mean, I almost ordered like 30 shirts. <laughs> I was like this close to being like, I'm going to order 30 shirts. <laughs> And I'm gonna, and and I won't have to worry about it. And then I thought, and as I'm like talking this out in my head, I'm like, dude, when those thirty shirts wear out, <laughs> then what are you gonna do? 
And, and I'm, I'm like, going to get a hundred shirts then. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I bought a hundred. I'm kidding. I did not. Um, what I realized was that something like a black t-shirt's replaceable. And uh, this is actually a new brand right now. I'm not going to tell you what it is because they don't pay me to do that. But um, <clears throat> what I'll say is that it's replaceable. Anything is replaceable. And uh, I'll also say that there is always like one exception at least to any rule. Um, but, but for the most part, like anything uh, that like Mariah could call me right now and be like, dude, you, the apartment spontaneously combusted, but don't worry, me and the cat are okay. And I would just be like, okay, like, great. We get to move out of the apartment that has termites in it. <laughs> Colin, your answer? <laughs> yeah, I... You guys talk about this a lot, actually, the access economy. And to me, part of that is being able to get stuff when you need it and not before that. And it sounds really silly because on, on one hand, things like Amazon and being able to get stuff delivered immediately whenever you need it can be a huge vehicle for consumption and unnecessary consumption. But it can also be the excuse that you need not to stockpile because you tend to know that you can get stuff when you need it pretty much, on demand almost all the time in a lot of societies around the world right now. So that infrastructure, although it can be harmful, it can also be something that can help you step away from those types of habits and reduce that, that anxiety that builds up that, what if I go through five shirts today? Knowing that if you really need to, you could get another shirt in a couple of days or go to one of the hundreds of shops that is within five minutes driving distance. Thank you Thank very you. much for the question. Before we wrap it up, I just want to thank a few folks. Uh, you probably saw Jessica running around here like crazy. She does all of our social media. She takes photos. She's back there at the book table after the event. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Lynn Williams, yeah. wherever she is. And while we're on the road, the person who handles pretty much everything behind the scenes, behind the podcast and our books and our website and everything else, uh, hiding in the shadows as always. Ladies and gentlemen, Podcast Sean is hiding back there. Yeah, Podcast Sean! <laughs> we love you, Sean! And if y'all leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for your time. Thank guys. you so much, Detroit. Thanks, guys. Y'all are awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, 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 thank you. Every little thing think that you need every little thing you think that you need every little thing that's just feeding your greed oh I bet that you'd be fine without it every little thing that you gotta have every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for Gotta grab, oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it. So take your eyes away, or take.